0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Royalty on the show today. Perhaps the MVP in Derrick Henry, Matt Berteram, and also Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ Ed Reed. It's a big week stack in the box, plus a lot going on in the league. We're going to take a look at those Bengals and the disaster that is your Chiefs.
2: We have a ton to get to, and I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to ask Derrick Henry in this interview, how much do you squat? I want to know. <laughs> What do you, what's the guess, Carm? What do you think? I'm not a good, I've never been a big weightlifting, like knowledge guy. So what was it mean? 500. All right. All right. Fine. Let's see what he says. We've got him. As you mentioned, Ed Reed over to you. He's got a lot of interesting comments, John Gruden. And who is the toughest player on that great Ravens defense? A real fun answer from Ed Reed. Plus,
1: Bears fans going in at Matt Nagy. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Stacking the Box starts right now. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carman. Well, well, well. If it isn't Stacking the Box live on YouTube, going to podcast in the middle of a Chiefs disaster, this is fantastic. Matt Berteram, good to see you, buddy
2: to see you as well, Carm.
1: I think this is the biggest moment in the history of the show, at least from my seat, buddy. I know you've been doing this a little bit longer than me, but since Carm stepped in into this role in Stack in the Box, I feel a certain sense of excitement that I have not felt in a while here.
2: It's good. It's good. We've got the YouTube channel up. We're going live. The show's packed. We've got Ed Reed coming on, talking about all things NFL, including some very interesting comments about John Gruden. And then later today, later today, which will be part of the audio version of the podcast you want to hear it we're interviewing Derek Henry so that's going to be a lot of fun as well
1: yeah we're talking to Derek this afternoon so that'll be added into the audio version we got Ben yep. Heisler coming up for all your gambling needs but Verne, we can start at the top this is your team this is uh you know r- right when you came out of the womb I believe you were wearing red diapers and uh you haven't re- Much. You, yeah you haven't really matured past that point uh too far so how big of a chief's disaster is it recoverable i'm you know you're nonstop tweeting about it patrick mahomes with his lowest qbr in the history of his career people are even having mahomes panic which i think is completely and utterly ridiculous but go ahead talk talk people off the ledge or talk them you know maybe we should all jump
2: no i don't think with mahomes there's reason to be I wouldn't even say concern. I would just say there's reason to have issue with the way he's played. He has made too many bad mistakes that are avoidable. You know, it's one thing on third and 10 to try to force a ball in a midfield. It's not, it's not ideal, but I understand it. Some of the mistakes he's made the last few games have been on, on first down, it's just throwing just dumb passes. But my bigger concern with him, and this has been probably the biggest issue has been he drifts out of the pocket too much. And this has been something he's always done. So you kind of live with it. But with this specific offensive line, it's killing them because they're actually really, really good in the interior. Really good. Their tackles are solid, not great, but they can live with their tackle play if he would just step up. The problem is he's not stepping up. And when he's supposed to be dropping seven yards, eight yards, he's dropping 10 or 11. And it's just an auto bond around the corner. But the bigger issue for them right now defensively they've been a wreck they didn't give up any points against Tennessee in the second half it doesn't matter I gave up 27 in the first half um they they can't get pressure I actually think their secondary is playing much better but they get no pass rush and it's killing them now how cooked are they I'm not going to see and say they're cooked but I, Patrick Allen asked me in the Arrowhead Ag podcast do I think they're going to make the playoffs right now the answer is no they, they can't they can't do anything I, and I'm not sitting here saying that they can't make the playoff. They're talented enough that it wouldn't shock me if they turned around and just ran the table. But what my eyes tell me is it's a very flawed team in the pass rush, which is killing this defense. And offensively, they're just completely out of sorts. Mahomes is in his own head. The play calling has been awful. And they're going to play. Look, they get the Giants on Monday night. They should win that game. After that, it's the Packers, the Raiders on the road, and Dallas. Like, I don't know if they're going to win any of those games. They can't execute, and it's killing them right
1: now. Who's betting on Chris Jones and Frank Clark coming to play at a level that they have not played all year long? I would say the answer to that is no one.
2: You got to move Jones inside. Like Jones, I think, is more of a – and, by the way, there were some plays in that game against Tennessee where they just laid down. I mean, laid down. And you see Brady checks in. Yeah, Frank Clark is – Frank Clark stinks. Okay. He has seven tackles this year. You want to know where that ranks in the NFL right now? Five hundred and twenty-fourth. He stinks. They should nail him to the bench and be done with it and play Mike Dana. I'm not the biggest Alex Oakford guy. Play him. He's better than Frank Clark is. Um, but Jones, Jones, I believe, if they put inside, would be fine. I really I, I don't think they'd have an issue there. But there are too many plays in that game, and Jones had one of them, by the way, where they just watch a guy go by. They can make the tackle, but they don't. Mike Hughes with the biggest big business decision in the world on a blitz, or he could have tackled Derrick Henry from behind, or at least gotten his hands on him. He slowed him down. He literally just stops. Nobody touched him. He just stops. So, listen. Do I think they beat the Giants this weekend? Yeah, they, they will because they're just so much superior. So so superiorly talented, they'll win the game. Uh, they don't. Then it's DefCon One, just, right? But. Against anybody who's good,
1: good luck, guys. For the record, I've been betting Kansas City correctly all year. I've had them, and this, this week I faded them beautifully against the Titans. Very proud of at the Carm. Uh, ben ben Heister coming up for all your betting needs in, in a little bit here. Uh, one last question on the Chiefs here. B- bottom line, did they do it wrong? Let's talk about Brett Veach. You you go back to 2020 first round draft pick. Hey, Clyde edwards there, come on down. Then they trade. Right. Then they trade their 2021 first round pick for Orlando Brown. Then they go on. They sign Joe Thune. Like they they have continued to invest in the offense, trying to make their strength the biggest strength versus not leaning in as much on the defense. Have have have, have, well, have, have they
2: blown it? Well, actually, uh, not. that I hate that term, but well, actually, their defense is the second highest paid defense in football. They, they invest a ton of money in their defense. Here's the problem Frank Clark, when they got him, had a year in 2019 where he was hurt early in the year. Later in the year was great. And in the playoffs was Lawrence Taylor. He had five sacks. I will always be of the opinion they would not have won the Super Bowl without him. He was spectacular. And I think he was a tone setter for them. Since then, he was mediocre at best last year. And he is just a. Hood ornament I mean, a hood ornament. If they cut him tomorrow, I honestly do not think he'd get meaningful snaps anywhere. I really don't. I don't think he would get signed. I don't think he'd get a meaningful snap anywhere in the league, including on a bad team. Um, I think if, if you're looking at Brett Veach, since you asked me specifically about him, I think that they're a team that Veach has largely done a very good job with. Their offensive line was in shambles last year. Thune has been excellent. They they drafted two stars on the interior this year who have already been great players. Um, I think he's done a really nice job. The Orlando Brown thing looks. There seems to be this thought process in Kansas City that Orlando Brown hasn't been good. Orlando Brown's been fine. They, they have. He didn't play well on Sunday, but nobody did. Um, my biggest issue, if there is any, with Beach, look, the, the Edwards alaire pick was a luxury pick. That in fairness, I didn't have a problem with it at the time. Looking back, you could say, well, was that the best use of resources? I don't know. Um, probably not. And the, the the Clark contract has become odorous. But again, I don't know if you win the Super Bowl without him. So I do not think Brett Veach is the problem with this team. I think it has been a combination of they can't stop turning the ball over, which is a player problem. They're scheming offensively. I mean, Carm, you know this as well as I do. Every week you're going to see a team, they're going to play you a certain way. You're usually guessing. The Chiefs know how teams are going to play them every single week and make no adjustments to deal with it. That's a coaching problem. That is an Andy Reid problem. Andy's not done a good job since the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to sit here and equate it to what happened with his son. I know that's a convenient timeline thing. I'm not going there. I'm just saying the Super Bowl is a disastrous game plan. They They made no adjustments behind five backup offensive linemen. And then this year, there's just no adjustments ever. It's the same thing every week, and if it doesn't work, everybody just seems to throw their hands up. So they've got issues. They've got issues. There's no way around it. Can they fix them? Yes, although I don't think the pass rush can be fixed. The rest of it I think can be. Will they? I don't know. We're almost halfway through the year, and nothing's gotten better yet. Just for the record, I am taking
1: the Chiefs to be in the playoffs. I have a very hard time listening to you and or anybody else talk about Patrick Mahomes in a negative way after all the, the roses that have been properly dropped at his feet for the last couple of years. So uh listen, I I get it. There this is not the Kansas City team that won the Super Bowl or even close to it, but I still think they'll be in the playoffs. So just uh I I understand that we're we a lot of times we're prisoner of the moment. Which speaking of, let's let's move to the Bengals, all right? Because Cincinnati putting up 41 on the Ravens, I mean this is a Bengals team that I mean if you let's rewind a second here, they were at the bottom of the division and now they're at the top, and a lot of people think they're the best team in the north, Joe Burrow is getting all sorts of uh love, which he deserves. The Cincinnati defense is there too. uh are you willing, Matt Verderham to uh say you know what this is this is a Bengals team that I didn't see coming, but right now I'm willing to be yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati, let's go. Bengals all the way, baby. At least, uh, a, you know, a division champ and a playoff team.
2: I think they're definitely a playoff team. And I got to tell you, I, I think the Bengals are really a genuinely good football team and not because of the reason everybody thinks, right? Everybody goes, well, Burrow and Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase been unbelievable. And Burrow certainly explained very well. Good for him after that, that horrific knee injury last year.
1: Reminder the Beng- defense is good, man. Yeah.
2: Just a reminder
1: quickly. Bengals fans were were booing Jamar Chase with drops in the preseason. And, and now look where he's at. But keep going. Thank you. The,
2: uh by the way, uh the Chiefs' defense also looked like the still curtain in the preseason. It goes to show the preseason means nothing. Okay. Um he's been great. 201 receiving yards on Sunday against Baltimore, a touchdown. Look, the Bengals can score some points, but nobody's talking about their defense. Their defense is good, man. Like they sacked Lamar five times in that game. They were all over him. And that's a unit that lost William Jackson this offseason, lost uh, Carl Lawson. A lot of people thought that was a huge, huge, huge departure. They brought in Trey Frederickson, who had a great year in New Orleans, but many thought, one year wonder. Can he repeat it? Yeah, he can. Played really well. The Bengals have done a really nice job. Zach Taylor – uh, uh, and I admit, you know, personal favorite. Interviewed him at the Super Bowl a few years ago, and, and and had a great conversation with him. Happy for his success. Um, they're playing great, and I do think, I do honestly think, like this is at this juncture a team that you got to look at and say, could they win the division? Yeah, and they're five and two. Baltimore's five and two. Baltimore's been weird though, man. Like you could easily make a case they should be two and five. So, I think you got to look at it and say, yeah, they're pretty damn good. They've they've played two divisional games both on the road, they ear Pittsburgh, and they crush Baltimore. So I'm looking at them going – they already played the Packers on their schedule, right? Like that game's already in the bag. Minnesota already played them. They still – you know, they're, in fact, they're done with that whole division. So now it's a lot of can you beat Cleveland? I think they can. Can you beat Pittsburgh at home? Yeah. Can you beat Baltimore at home? Well, you just killed them on the road, so yeah, you can. You get Kansas City at home later in the year. i got to tell you, the way that game's going, I mean, it's not an easy game, but it's certainly winnable. Uh, you know, they, they all of a sudden, they still have to play the whole AFC West, right? That is going to be a challenge. Chargers are a quality team. Chiefs, are, even with their issues, are, are a tough team. The Raiders are playing really well. Denver's terrible. They should roll Denver, although that isn't in, in Denver. I like them, Carm. I think they're going to win you know, 10, 11 games. I really
1: do. I love people liking the Bengals. I love when I like the Bengals. First of all, one of the greatest helmets in the history of the NFL. Uh, I, I think – I think very uh, fondly about the Sam Weiss Bengals. And just for a little history on, on Cincinnati, who, by the way, gets the Jets on Sunday, so they should uh, win number six should be easy. And But then that Browns game, yes. they have not slept, swept Cleveland uh, in the home and home here since 2015. That would be a hell of a statement. And the Browns are in a very interesting part of their uh, Baker Mayfield, whatever you want to call it, pay him, don't pay him. We're winning games without him and how long do you keep him out little moment for cleveland fun. right now
2: speaking of cincinnati history fun uh, little d- diversion here for a second do you know the last year they won a playoff game and if you do know that do you know who they beat who the quarterback was that they beat the game
1: wait okay. give me one more time let me let me think deep and hard go ahead one more time sure
2: what was the la- which year was the la- when, was the last time they won a playoff game if i could get that out of my mind okay. okay when they last won a playoff game okay and- who is the quarterback? They beat in the game.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Uh let's see here. So well it wasn't Andy Dalton. Uh Oh, oh god no. No. So I mean do I have to go all the way back to Boomer? Yeah. I do. Yeah. And and who did they beat? Who did Who did Who, who, did, who did Boomer beat? Uh, I don't know. I'll take a stab. They they beat the Jets. I'll go with the Jets.
2: They last won a playoff game in 1990. It's the longest drought in the NFL. They beat the Houston Oilers, who no longer exist as they currently are. And Cody Carlson was the quarterback in the game.
3: All
1: right. I mean, I I, I think my answer is I feel somewhat okay with how I responded to Verderam trivia in the moment. Uh, but reminder back at you, Verderam. Can you tell me what, yep. the, what the Bengals' record was the last two years? If you can, you do that off the top of your head. Just to think well, about the one
2: year when they got Burrow. That year they went two and fourteen, uh-huh. and then. Last year, five and eleven.
1: You're you're one off. They, four and twelve. Four, four. yeah. So they're, They've been brutal. Yeah. They've been awful. And so just, I just you know like hey, yep. hey Cincinnati, you're you're uh, you've come a long way. Congratulations, and I, yeah, you're you're relevant. Matter. You're 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 in the national conversation. Good for you. Congratulations. Uh,
2: so who are you picking to win the North? Preseason, I picked Cleveland. Not feeling great about that. Right now, I I I can't. I'm taking the Bengals. Like they, I mean, how could you take how could you take Baltimore over them right now? The Bengals just destroyed Baltimore in their building.
1: You can. That, that was a weird game, and the score was not not really indicative to how, exactly how close it was. And and you you can say Ravens. You are Look, allowed. Will, you I'll are allowed.
2: I, I think the Ravens are the bigger threat to go deep in the playoffs. But because the Bengals have a last place schedule, because the Bengals already won in Baltimore, and I get, and Baltimore's got a million injuries. Like, I just wonder over the course of the year, does that catch up with them? But I will, I will say right here and now, I also think this is the kind of thing where I might change my mind five times. Like, I, I think both teams will be in the mix. And I wouldn't be shocked, by the way, if Mayfield comes back and they can actually get him healthy. Maybe even there in the mix.
1: Does fanside have the technology to put a Bengals helmet right on the top of your head or even just a nice hat, like a Cincy hat?
2: I doubt it, but, 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 hold on, can I do this? Yeah, I got, I got, I got Bengals pennant. Look at that. The you. original year, baby. There we right go. There.
1: there we go. Okay, Cincinnati. We, we got you.
2: Yeah, they're represented. All right, All the AFL pennants, baby. They're yeah. all up there.
1: Uh, let, let's move along here to uh, a man who did not expect to be getting this much attention. His name is is Byron Kennedy. And, yeah. and and good old Byron was sitting there in the end zone enjoying himself, the Bucs and the Bears, which was not enjoyable at all for uh, any of us Chicago people over here, which we'll get to Matt Nagy in a second. Here we got some good stuff on Matt Nagy from Bears fans or, I don't know, slightly uncomfortable stuff, but I think it'll, it'll play well. Uh, yeah, Mike Evans hands you the football. You didn't know that's on you, I guess, that that was – Touchdown pass number 600 for Tom Brady. They come back. They want the football. He ends up giving it back. And this gentleman, did you see what he got from Brady, Evans, and the Buccaneers? Did
2: I did, but read it off for the crowd.
1: Okay, it, it is it is a very impressive. Uh, he was provided a pair of season tickets for the remainder of this year and 22. He got a $1,000 credit to the official team store. He also got two signed Tom Brady jerseys. He got a helmet. He got another jersey autographed by Evans, and he got Evans' game-worn cleats, which sounds like a lot until you realize that that football in the memorabilia market where Matt Verderam loves to spend time buying baseball cards that will never be worth yeah. anything, uh, wh- also wh- probably true. worth well into six figures, well into six yeah. figures, that, fi- that, that one-of-a-kind number 600 football. So did the fan do the right thing here? Was it – did it actually not really belong to him and he and he got – in the luck of being there, he actually made out well? Or should he have grabbed that football, walked out of the stadium?
2: So morally? Sure. You can make the argument that he should give the ball back, right? Like, you know, it's a big milestone. He did nothing to achieve it. But I'll tell you right now, if that was me, I would have. I would have bargained with them like nobody's business. I, I, I would have given them the ball back, but I would have asked for way what more. What would money. you have asked for? Well, if I'm a Bucks fan, I, the, the, I would have, the starting point would have been lifetime season tickets, sideline passes, the whole deal, right? <laughs> like, every bell and whistle, maybe even a box. Like, honestly, like maybe even a box. Um, I would have asked for $250,000. <laughs> and... And I would have, and I would have asked for a crap ton of marabilia. And, and by the way, if they say no, fine. Then I would have gone to Sotheby's and sold it for six hundred thousand. And if Brady wants it so bad, let's be real. For him, I, that's like spending ten dollars. So I, I think the guy did the right thing morally. But I got to tell you, man, if you're you know if you're somebody with a family to feed, you'd like to retire at some point in your life, and you're given that gift. Well, Tom Brady's got enough crap. Okay, like. I do believe the ball belongs to him. And I, and I honestly, if I had the ball, I would want him to have the ball. I would. But not more than, hey, I can take care of my family and get half a million dollars for this thing. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Like, I'm going to take care of my family. And Tom Brady's okay. He's it, fine. His seven Super Bowl rings and his supermodel wife and all the rest. Of it. Like I think Tom Brady would have survived. That is 600th NFL touchdown pass football.
1: Yeah, he would have survived. And uh, I don't know if it's worth. White, the dollar figures you're throwing out there, but maybe oh, somebody
2: w- absolutely do that, man. An auction,
1: well, okay. well, maybe, maybe, and maybe it's worth that much to Brady. Uh, but and and by the way, if you want to weigh in on the chat, what exactly you would have asked for from the Bucks for if the football was handed to you, and, and is Verteram going too far? Like, I feel a little bit, I feel like you're going a little down the old road here, but I love, I love the I want season tickets for life, yeah. Of give, course. Give me, let me get a 10-year pass for, for Bucks football when they actually go back to being the Tampa Bay Bucks again when Brady leaves. Do you know, by the way, that he's got 59 touchdown passes in a Tampa uniform, which would place him seventh all time on the Chicago Bears? Just just, just for just, just for the record. I s ahead of Jim. All the Bears. Ahead of Jim Harbaugh. Well, here. Uh hey, hey Byron, you you did you did, I guess, quote unquote. People are saying it's the right thing. I, I even have a problem with saying it's the right thing because I have—I don't think there is right or wrong here. But you—you you didn't know. I—I I do. I am interested. If he had known exactly what it was worth, if he had been a connoisseur of memorabilia, a Zach Hempel type, if you will, who catches baseballs all over MLB, I mean, would he have done the same thing? Because. I if, if you knew what it was worth, I think you you're I think you're walking out of there. You
2: should know that it's worth a lot when the team immediately is like we need that. I mean no you don't it's mine and here's my phone number. I'm going home with it. I'm gonna, see what he really in all seriousness and, and, and this is all easy to say now like I'm not blaming the guy for not doing this. What he should have done in hindsight was say, here's my phone number. give me your point of contact. Give me a little sticker or something that certifies that this is the football. Because if I walk out of here, you would always say, well, it's not really the football. How do we know it's football? Give me a sticker. There's always – my understanding, I know there is isn't baseball that probably is in the NFL too. There's usually someone who's, who's around, who's certified by the NFL, who can do that at every game. I'd be like, look, give me the sticker, okay? I'm going to go home. I'm going to get this ball appraised. And whatever that appraisal comes at, that's what you're paying me, plus season tickets for life. <laughs> I, I would, I mean, they're the, they're the NFL football team.
1: I got it, I got it, I got it. Yes, they can afford it. Uh, all right, well, let's
2: move on. Yes, That's I feel.
1: good, good, good on you, Tom Brady. You got your football back, and you can put it on the Brady mantle. All right, I'm so to throw
2: in a suitcase. Never look at it again.
1: Right, right. So, so Matt Nagy, your Chicago Bears head coach, who had a rough day down in Tampa. Bears lost thirty-eight to three, and it wasn't even that close. He tests positive for COVID. It comes out on Monday. And I think in the first real sign that we are at least getting close to the end of the pandemic is the comments that were on the Bears' Twitter page, our Twitter feed, about Nagy testing positive. here's Here's what comes out from some Bears fans. Test positive for unemployment next. Only positive thing he's done for the team. The game plan yesterday tested positive for COVID. Can he be out for the rest of the season? This must be why the Bears That's couldn't. Sm- this, the, this must be why the Bears couldn't smell the end zone yesterday. <laughs> this is the first positive news out of the Bears locker room in weeks. Heal fast, coach. Then find a new job. Tested negative for being an offensive guru. Please quarantine him. Thank you. Signed, Bears fans. I mean, just
2: killing the guy. Is this the poor what? guy. Like I actually do feel from I mean, him. I'm laughing because some of us feel pretty witty, but I mean, geez. The poor guy. The guy's got COVID, man. Like, you know, I I get well, it. I get it. They stink, but holy crap, the guy's got a COVID.
1: Well, I mean, NFL coaches have to be vaccinated, so uh he Yes, he, he is vaccinated. Should- Yeah, he he should be fine, and uh, he says he's asymptomatic. I believe he's he's asymptomatic. He says he feels okay, and he's got to have two negative PCR tests, I guess, in a 24-hour period for him to be able to coach for the Bears when they get back at it this week against the Niners, which San Francisco looked terrible, and the Niners are still a four-point favorite at Soldier Field. Uh, The Bears are not firing Matt Nagy during the season. They're not going to do that. It's something they've never done, but I don't know. If fans' sentiment will have any impact here, but it is just it has gone so south for Nagy in Chicago. It's unbelievable.
2: Well, they just they're non-competitive offensively. They're just non-competitive. Now I got to say, I'm not taking up uh, for Nagy here. Okay, and I actually have defended him in the past. This is this isn't defensible this year. This is insane. Justin Fields. Maybe there's a reason they were going to keep him on the bench, and I'll leave I'll, my I'll play the crow with that. Uh, because I was always like, get him out there, get him out there, get him out there. I, you know, you watch him, you see the talent. He's been not good. Like I, I get it. Like some of the picks not on him, whatever. The guy's QBR yesterday or on Sunday was like one. I mean, it's he's, it's a lot of circumstances around him. I get that, but he's not played well. I mean, it, he has not been good.
1: The Bears' offensive line is terrible. The Bears' playmakers aren't great. Allen Robinson, who was fantastic. Seems checked out. Uh, it, it, they trade him. By the way, it it would make sense to me. Uh, and trading Jimmy Graham would make sense. Why he was ever brought back was completely ridiculous. Uh, Any no, nobody's trade Graham. R- well, right, right. But I mean, no, jo- Joe Flacco just got you. Just got a conditional six round.
2: Actually, call the Jets up.
1: Yeah, I mean
2: that is. I got to take a quick minute on that. That is the dumbest – the next person who tells me that Joe Douglas is a great general manager, I'm I'm jumping out a window, okay? You just (laughs) traded a conditional fifth-round pick for a quarterback who sucks, and the rationale is, well, you know, he knows the system. No, he doesn't. You have a new offensive coordinator, new head coach. Even then, you're not winning anything. What are you doing? Right, right, right. Even if he knows the system and he's a savant in it, who the hell cares? You're one in five. You stink. And I'd like to take my bow here for a minute. I don't like to do this often, but this is, this is one time VerRam got it right. The week before the season, when everybody was kissing Zach Wilson's feet, I wrote on stacking the box to column because of every Monday on sided, I wrote, the Jets are screwed because they, they put this kid with an offensive first, first time head coach, a young first time offensive coordinator. They have no experience behind them. Nobody's ever thrown an NFL pass. This is a disaster in the making. And sure as you know what, he's been terrible. They have no ability to adjust. They have no experience. They have no experience as backup. And look at that—he gets hurt. And they go out and they they spend a fifth-round pick on frigging Joe Flacco. And for people who say, "Well, by the way, it's just a fifth-round pick. Who cares?" You're the Jets. You need every pick you have, and it might end up being a top 150 pick. I mean, what a bunch of clowns that franchise is. You're one and five. Play me before you give up a fifth-round pick. What are you doing, Joe Douglas? What an idiotic move.
1: I agree with with all of it, I'm like, whoa, they gave up. a. It's a six, and if he plays a bunch, and he plays well, I guess. It's right, conditional a fifth. fit. And he yes. was terrible for the Jets last year, by the way. It's not like he was winning football games for them, which, it's again, like, real. why are you trying to win football games? And the other the other side is like, I'm sitting there like, from a Bears fan standpoint, really? You you gave up a six for Joe Flacco? How about taking Nick Foles off the Bears' hands? We'll give me a – you want Foles for a seventh. I'll take a seventh and a conditional sixth. Well, you, if you're willing to pay for that, I'll, I'll here. You can you can have Falls for less. The Bears should be trading Nick Foles to somebody. But uh, any anyway. rate, all right. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, but uh, will the Bears make any moves at the deadline? I I judging by what Ryan Pace does, the answer is no. What what Pace does is uh, trade up in the draft for people who can't play, i.e. Mitchell Trubisky, i.e. Tevin Jenkins, who can't get on the field. Uh, just, just, um, which is the other thing in Chicago, by the House
2: way? House cleaning.
1: Yeah, it's not you got. Everybody can point to the head coach, which is a very, very popular frame by Barry Sanders. Right, the, the roster smells atrocious. They,
2: We're, they need to. And I don't care if they do it now or after. It doesn't matter. They need to. They need to fire everyone. Like this idea that like they can just wait it out is insane. But like they. But that, okay but so them and then that no but that's the other
1: part of it too who is going to be hiring the next regime like worst right. right. worst organizations in the NFL bears jets uh like who i mean lions. who else is it? lions okay i mean Rangers i wouldn't but they they've resurrected uh, i mean cincinnati you're you're certainly in the team photo i i would say the jags but
2: not not really Paul. Definitely them and Washington yeah. cannot escape this
1: Washington is is maybe even at the top
2: Washington might be the president of the club but yeah I mean, but,
1: but so but, that's the yeah. thing like and and I get it you're for fans of of, of bad organizations you're not leaving but like the, the, to have optimism yeah. that something's going to change just because there's a coaching yeah. and even regime change right. GM it's it's my it's a, uh, needle in a haystack lucky to, for it to happen.
2: My quick two cents: I would I would call Detroit at the end of the season and I would ask for permission to hire John Dorsey. That's what hire. Because let me tell you right now, yeah, you're a big Dorsey guy. You go back and listen. I would bring in a financial guy with Dorsey because he he's not great with the contract part of it. Nobody knows talent like John Dorsey. That listen, Brett Veach deserves a lot of credit because he he helped with that Super Bowl team, no doubt, right? But John Dorsey. Drafted a ton of those guys, and then he went to Cleveland, and that team was an 0 16 team, and immediately was was back in playoff contention. Like that, he knows what he's doing. That guy, do whatever you want. Like I would, if I were, I would hire him, and then I'd go call Eric Biani. That would be, I would just, I would rate. And I know some Bears fans might like, go, "Oh God, not another Kansas City assistant." Biani a different deal. I would, I would absolutely go make that move.
1: And by the way, as we wrap up the Bears talk in all seriousness, Matt Nagy, hope you get healthy quick and hope you win a bunch of football games this year. Uh, Best to you and the fam. Verteram, we're bringing in the Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ, and defensive player of the year, Ed Reed. Quick timeout, and then Ed Reed is next on Stack in the Box.
0: Family.
4: It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase. The more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal.
1: It is always a thrill to get to talk to the Super Bowl champ, the Hall of Famer the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Perhaps the coach-in-waiting, uh, Ed Reed, working with Crown Royal. and you always got that smile. It's good to see you, by the way. Thank you for joining Stack of the Box with me and my buddy Matt Verderham.
4: Appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate it, man. Good to see you guys.
1: T- tell us about uh, this initiative, fans, the kickoff for the game day. Great cause. The TV TVC yeah, launch. Yeah.
4: Super cause. Super cause, man, with Crown Royal. You know, it's a um, kickoff program. And um, it's an initiative to give away probably more than a million dollars. Crown Royal is committed to a million dollars, but, you know, with people donating and everything, they can go to visit, they can go visit kickoffwithcrown.com. And um, like I said, Crown Royal is committed to giving away a million dollars to small businesses, small businesses and um, benefiting hospitality and stadium workers as well. You know, you can you can imagine throughout this, you know, tough times this past year and a half we've been going through and people not having jobs and losing their jobs. So that's a way to give back to the community, give back to society. And um, Crown is doing that um, with 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 um, the initiative that we're putting together here. Also, you know, like I, I first joined Crown by being part of the water break. So it's not just telling you, you know, enjoy your Crown Roll on game day. We also want to make sure that you drink it responsibly, you know. So make sure you're taking your water breaks as you drink, you know, as you enjoy the game. Because at the end of the day, we want everybody to get home safely, you know. But um, the main thing is just giving back, giving back to society. Um, Crown is giving back to the military, um, military vets, you know, and other other small businesses, you know. Foundations and stuff as such, including my mind, myself, you know, helped me build the park in Louisiana and such, you know, so but at the end of the day, drink responsibly.
2: You know, it's it's a great initiative and it's something everybody should check out and encourage them to look into it. Um, Like you said, with the pandemic, everybody's been struggling, especially small businesses, Uh, you know, but. From a football standpoint to kind of segue in. I'm curious, you know, everybody remembers you, of course. You played at the Ravens for a decade. You finished up with the Texans and the Jets, but you're a Raven. That's how everybody remembers you, and rightfully. So that defense had some dudes on it. I mean, whether it was you or Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs, I mean, you're talking about not only Hall of Famers, but elite, elite Hall of Famers. Of all the guys on those teams who are known for their toughness, who is the toughest dude on that team? Who's the who is the guy that you're like, man? I wouldn't want to have to meet with that guy in an alley at 2 a.m. Who is the toughest guy you were teammates with?
4: Man, it's, it was a bunch of them, man. <laughs> God, I can't pick one guy. That, that That's tough. I mean, that's tough, man. You're talking just from an offensive side. You're talking Vontae Leach. You're talking Jonathan Ogden. You're talking Jamal Lewis. You know, you're talking Big Zeus. Um bless his soul who passed away. Yeah, Zeus probably would be that guy. You know, you're talking hello Nada. Um you you don't want to run into Sugs. You know what I'm saying? Not in no alley at night. I'm scared <laughs> the shit out of you. Um <laughs> I love my brother. He know I do. I just got jokes. Um, Ray, of course, you know, so Anquan Bowden, man, who's one of the strongest receivers I ever played against. It was too many guys, man. It really was. I think Helote might be the guy, though, man, honestly. He, he's like a gentle giant, but he's a monster, bro. You you probably couldn't stop him, man. He'd probably be like Incredible Hulk coming out of there. You're like, what's going on back there, you know? And he's just transforming into something just totally different during the hockey. <laughs>
1: Is it is it true during your your Super Bowl season, Ed, that there, you basically had a mutiny in the middle of the year that that ultimately propelled you guys? Is that is that accurate?
4: It's not. It was not a mutiny, um, but it was it was grown men sorting things out. Like that's that's why I always say like we was a partnership. I believe that week. What's up, bro? I believe that week got myself, and Quan, Bernard Pollard. And a couple other guys released after the season. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the reasoning for it because we were challenging authority, sort of say. Like we were grown men. Like I was, oh I was older than my coaches. Like, I played a lot of football. We've been here for a lot of seasons. We're trying to win a championship and you you lying to us right in our face. I think it was purposely lying. Like want to show you like. I got the authority type stuff, and we wasn't going for it. It's just that simple. Like, I don't care who you are, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it was it was almost like that Malcolm X scene, you know what I'm saying? Like, they probably was looking at, like, it, he got a little bit too much power, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with his teammates, you know? So, and that comes, and I think they're, they're kind of realizing what that really was. You know, that was truly your leadership. And when you take that out of the locker room, that's what you get after that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't, they, they don't understand. A lot of people don't understand or didn't understand how uh, beneficial it is to have leadership in your locker room. And when you don't have it, you get, you get mediocre. You get mediocre play. You know what I'm saying? Like, not sh- I'm, I'm not taking shots at anybody. I'm just telling you it's real. You know, you need leadership in your locker room. That's what we were there for, you know, and the leadership has to protect not only, you know, the team, but yourself, but you got to protect the team, you know, the little guys who don't have a voice too, you know, and, and, and that's what I was about. People knew I was about that, you know what I'm saying? They'll say all type of other things about me. I've heard all type of stuff, but nobody would ever tell the truth. They would never tell how much I really helped how much knowledge I truly gave, you know, even in the position I'm in now, you know, but it is what it is, man. Do the you, Lord you, knows my heart
1: do do you think your whatever you want to call it outspokenness is is impacting your ability to get the the coaching get that you want them I and you had a couple of calls of course,
4: work. yeah, no question about it. you know what country you're in? what country we in we are in, man. Come on man. Like there's no secret to it. What goes on in our society as we've been talking about, it's deep rooted in coaching in the NFL and college and high school too. It's just not talked about. Yeah. But you can look at the dynamics of it. Look how many owners, look how many head coaches you can, I can go on and on. You know, the truth is the truth, though. So, I mean, there's no use of getting bad. Like, it's the truth. Change it.
2: You know, in that vein, I wanted to ask you about something that's really recent with John Gruden, and and he ultimately technically resigning. I'm sure you know being essentially forced out from the Raiders after those emails came to light. Um, I don't know if I should ask how how surprised you were, because I'm going to guess the answer is not surprised, but. Um, do you think that that's a hell of a lot more pervasive? Are you disappointed that those emails aren't being made public, more than 650,000 of them?
4: Of course, because there's more involved. There's more people involved. So why would we just take it out on Gruden? You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I use this. And, and, and I could be going a little bit over, whatever. We had a president before this president here was in here doing all the type of stuff that John Gruden did. He didn't get fired. You know what I'm saying? So, but we have so many other emails, right? And so many other people attached to those emails. And if it's 600 emails, that mean he said, so did he say it on the last email? You know what? I'm out of this piece. The last email. No, they've been knowing this shit. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it is. Like, that's what I'm saying about the truth. Like people know, but they want to act like they don't know. Like, no, nah, we all know there's some other bullshit going on. Show us the other bullshit too. Or just fire. You don't want it to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like people, <laughs> I don't even know, whoever they are, act like we don't know. <laughs> we know. We know shit's messed up. <laughs> like everybody knows, shit is messed up. So it shouldn't be just Gruden. You know what I'm saying? Because stuff is not hitting anymore, man. You know they. It's something behind that. Like it's something to Gruden just getting fired. You know, and and uh, somebody trying to come up with like there's something about that. It really is, man. I didn't really dive into it as much. You know, I heard. I would, I would say everybody should go watch, watch my brother Ryan Clark talk about it, because that I agree with Ryan on it big time. You know what he said is what I I agree. I agree with Ryan said about it.
1: Hey, let's uh let's wrap one on the field here with your Ravens and losing to the Bengals. That doesn't happen very often in Baltimore. Are, are you uh, are you? Worried that the Cincinnati team is actually capable of winning that division?
4: No, I'm not worried. Um, they're really inconsistent too in Cincinnati. Um, so the the it's going to be up for grabs at this point. You know, R- R- Baltimore still has to go and play in Cincinnati. You know, and they still got Cleveland. They still got Pittsburgh. Like, that that, that division is about to probably be in shambles a little bit. I feel like they're going to have other teams knocking each other off. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of there. You know, it might be two teams. It might, it might be one. I feel like they're going to knock each other off, though.
1: If I could punch your coaching ticket, by the way, would you rather do it on the college or the pro level?
4: Oh, man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. If I had to pick first, it probably would be in the pros first, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not turned away from college at this stage um, because, I mean, these kids are getting paid, but they're getting paid a little less. (laughs) (laughs) So you still get – You still can impact them, you know, letting them know, look, you can make a bunch more money. (laughs) When they're making a bunch of money, you know, it's a little different. Though I've coached in Buffalo, so I've I've dealt with NFL players. I dealt with NFL players while I played, you know. uh, I, I got a little information on how to deal with players and stuff. So I'm not turned off on it. But if I had a choice, it probably would be in the league first, just because I just know, you know, it's a little different. Yeah, colleges, yeah. colleges every day of the year There's no days off in college, you know, truly, because you're there's something that can happen to a kid at any given point. That's why I say that, you know, you get off days, but you're really not off because if something happened to one of your players, you got to go. You know what I'm saying? So,
1: yeah, Ed Reed, you're the best. You keep it real. I love when we get an opportunity to talk to you. So I hope we get to do it again uh, down the line sooner than later. And No we're... doubt,
4: man. It probably won't be with me having a job. But... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're you're always up to something. So
2: you'll be hey, just man, fine. That's,
4: that's why you take care of your finances. You know what I'm saying? So you really don't have to work for anybody. You know, thank God for that, that. I was smart enough to take care of my finances, and that's what guys need to do and understand. They need to do. You know, we don't have that. A lot of information on that. You know, so
2: well, good for you, I. Hey, good luck with with the you. Keep things appreciate rolling, it. and uh, but you'll you'll end up breaking through. You're Ed Reed for crying out loud. No man. Out. Thanks, You're bro.
4: Okay. I appreciate it, man.
1: Keep <laughs> impacting, Ed. You're the man. Appreciate you.
4: Right on, fellas.
2: Take care. Progressive presents forest Metaphors. About bundling your home auto and other vehicles.
0: In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto. But also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies. Which is okay, because, you know, it's... Just a metaphor.
1: Forced Metaphors. Presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect
2: today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: The NFL's leading rusher. A man that very few defenders throughout the league want to run into on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, whatever. Derek Henry, working with Team Milk, Got Milk. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, But Derek, are you recommending that people put a couple dollars on you for for MVP? Because you're way down the list here. You're not getting this respect. I see a Titans team moving in the right direction. You just beat Kansas City. Why can't you win the MVP this year?
3: Uh, That's not for me to figure out. Um, All I worry about is how I play and, you know, that my team win games, how we play as a team. There are other stuff I can't really, really control. All I control is how I play each and every week.
1: So it never bothers you that your impact on the Titans gets kind of, I don't know, not respected enough?
3: Um, not really long as that I got respect for my teammates. And coaches I don't really care about.
2: You know, I want to ask everybody talks about your workload, which is astronomical compared to most players at your position in today's game. You, know, you see a lot of two-back systems around the league. Certainly that's not the case in Tennessee. But for people who have never heard this, I want to read off this stat line from your senior year of high school. Four hundred and sixty-two attempts, four thousand two hundred and sixty-one yards. That's over three hundred and twenty-seven yards a game, and fifty-five touchdowns. Like, did you? At what point during that season were you like, "Man, I, I need a bigger challenge"? I mean, it had to be just absurd as you went through that year.
3: Yeah, high school was just fun, and um, I always wanted the ball in my hands. So, you know, I feel like that gave us the uh, best chance to win. And, you know, my coaches felt the same way. And I had great teammates, you know, throughout those years that on a selfless, that selfless, that blogged and, you know, helped me gain all those jars and all the accolades that I have. So, you know, Friday Night Lights, is nothing like it. And um, some definitely great memories uh, playing, you know, throughout those years.
2: For you, I always ask this question to guys who are stars throughout and obviously most in the NFL are. Friday Night Lights, Saturdays in Tuscaloosa, Sunday in Nashville. What What – is the most special to you what it may be, are you most fond of
3: um i think friday night lights is you know you being a kid um trying to make a name for yourself trying to um be able to get a college education and you know play at the college level in front of you, people you people who grew up watching you in front of your family and um the teammates you grew up uh you grew up knowing and playing with all your life and then when you get to college you know just like you know it's it's so surreal at a big university, um, you know, new, getting to know uh, new new people, teammates from you know all over all over the country and you know getting the trust and you know, getting get to know them and also put the work in, especially going to Nevada, the the tradition that they had, you know, you gotta come in and uh, earn, earn your respect and then once you you know get through those years, try to make it to the Lex level, which is the biggest dream and you know, making it you know to the NFL's. It's always surreal. You know, each and each each and every day, you know, you get the opportunity to come work and um, do the things that we do in the NFL. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's something that you always you always thankful for and give God thanks.
1: Derek Henry with us here on the Stack in the Box podcast. If you're just listening, then you're not going to try to see us. I'm going to try to get a smile out of Derek Henry before we wrap this up today on the team milk team and my partner over here, Matt Verderham, He's a huge Chiefs fan, Derek and. I am. Uh, he had a very rough Sunday. I <laughs> did. Did you? Guys, did you have any uh, idea going into the game that it would go anywhere the way it went? I mean, there was a, you know, when you look at the scores, a, a fairly convincing victory for you guys.
3: Um. Yeah. I mean. Um. You know the type of the the team the Chiefs are. You know, they are explosive. Um. They 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 complement each other on offense and defense and special teams. So you know, we just had to stay locked in on all. You know on all four quarters, and um, focus on, on finishing the game and, and getting a W because they've had games where, you know, they've been down and, and came back and came back and won. So we just want to trust and believe what we do on all three phases to help us win the game. And um, I'm glad we were able to, you know, put a game together to get the W versus, you know, the Chiefs.
1: This Chiefs team doesn't feel perhaps just a little bit different
3: this year than other years? I don't really, you know, I don't really try to get too into, you know, what – They are as far as what they've done different or what's different from them, really focus on how we, you know, can be better, you know, year after year, game after game and you know, just just focus on what we need to do as a team and you know, that should be any players, you know, main focus is what your team's doing and how well y'all can play.
2: You know, I wanted to ask you, Alabama. It seems like every year is either the favorite or right there with them, and certainly this year, even with the one loss, they're right there. They, good argument, best team in the country. Nick Saban, good argument as maybe the greatest college coach of all time. Of course, you played for him. Give me your best Nick Saban story from your years in Tuscaloosa. Whether it was something inspirational, something funny. I mean, when you think back of Coach Saban, what do you think of?
3: Um. Yeah. Uh. I- I'd probably say um, probably had been my my second year when you know things weren't going the way I wanted them to, and you know just trying to make a big play here and there rather than just being patient, let the game come to me, and you know just getting frustrated with myself. And kind of uh, a freshman year, t- freshman year too, you know, coming from high school, getting the ball a lot, being a man, and you know coming there where you know you got to earn, and you know ain't nothing gonna be given. It's the competition, and not really getting to play that much is, you know, just a little adversity. The first time I had really some tough adversity, you know, in my career, you know, just talking to Coach Saban, you know, it's not, you know, how 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 adversity, you know, takes you, it's about how you how you overcome it. And I think just having that real one-on-one conversation and, you know, knowing me being a young guy, you know, Coach Saban, who he is, just taking the time and, you know, really digging deep in, you know, the whole situation and letting me know that, you know, long as I... You know, stick with it and work through it, and stay focused on what I want to do. That you know, I overcome it, I prevail, and everything I want to happen will happen for me.
1: Derek, hey, working with Team Milk, what is there a the number in a game where you actually feel like okay, like uh, by carry ten, I feel like I made it fifteen. Like, where you actually really feel in a groove? Is there a sweet spot for you?
3: Um, not not really. I don't really try to think of like as far as like the carries, or uh, where I'm at, arm and groove, I just try to go, you know, and, um, and, and keep going, and um, try to make plays as, as much as I can when the ball is in my hand, really.
1: Have you ever hit uh, any defensive lineman and, and heard him groan, or a linebacker? Just a, just a, like a, <laughs> just a loud noise, where like, are you, oh, okay, I'm gonna remember that one.
3: Uh, I mean, it's, it's, there's plenty of groans, you know, especially when you get tackled and going to the ground, but I'm not I'm not sure if it's a specific one that's tackling me or it's guys that's going in the blocks or being blocked or whatever's going on, but there's plenty of them when you're out there in the trenches.
2: So I, I know there probably wasn't a groan. I think the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen was the in the playoffs, that that stiff arm on Earl Thomas. Look, Earl Thomas is a great player. And that mm-hmm. was <laughs> that was almost if you're Earl, that's not one you're looking at for the highlight reel. But I wanted to ask you, I mean, you're your training regimen, the way you keep yourself in shape—it's—it's it's almost becoming legendary at this point. Mm-hmm. So, a two-parter. One is, and I'll start here. When you're on the squat
3: rack, how much do you squat? I actually don't uh, really ask how much it is. I just, I just try to go out there and do it. My trainer, he just puts it on there. He's like, "Let's go," and then I just, if I can get it up, I, I get it up. If I can't, I'm like, oh no, nah, this ain't this ain't it. But I really, I really don't ask. I probably have to ask him how much how much it really is, I just do, I, I just come ready to work. All right, so uh, I know everybody who works, I know, this answer. How much you bench? Really, bench, I don't really like bench that much, especially barbell bench. I used do dumbbells most of the time. We do a lot of dumbbell work. Not much bench, not not, not, not nothing like what and wise with heavyweight, probably like high reps, but really doing dumbbell stuff as much, much as possible.
2: Okay, so then the second part mm-hmm. of that question is, You carry the ball more than anybody in the league. It's been Mm -hmm. a theme now for a few years. What, you get out of the game Sunday afternoon, you get the pads off. What is your recovery schedule like for you throughout the course of the week?
3: Yeah, um, probably get home, uh, have some food, uh, have a a glass of milk uh, for recovery. I don't really eat too much. Um, um, After the game, really part of this chill with the family. And then Monday, wake up, get right right to the, uh, the recovery process, cold tub, hot tub, massage, um, to um, uh get an IV, um, just doing everything I can to get my body back under me and get a workout in um, before practice. And, um, you know, by that time, I'm usually ready to go and uh and feeling, feeling good.
1: By what day of the week do you actually feel like 100% if, 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 it, if it ever happens during the season?
3: By Wednesday, I, I usually prefer. Feel, feel pretty good that one
1: well that's part of the reason I guess why you're able to do what you do because that's a quick recovery hey Derek you're uh you know we're talking about team milk here. yeah tell me about this milk vs challenge got milk you got it right in front of you why'd you want to be a part of this initiative
3: well I think it's like uh it's a perfect match because I love I love milk and when I uh, you know got the opportunity to be able to partner with Partner with them, and I was very excited because I've been drinking milk all my life. And um, you know, my grandma's always tell me if you drink milk, you will shift to your bones, and that's something that's always stuck stuck with me as a kid. And um, I use milk for uh, my performance, um, my recovery process. Um, I've always drunk milk, even you know when I'm working out, when I see all the workout videos. So I thought it was a match made in heaven to be able to drink milk, have this partnership. And um, i think it's very cool to be able to uh, you know encourage kids, encourage youth, to drink to drink milk as well.
1: I mean, I think that late-night chocolate milk is the key, though. Just a there little a little, 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 <laughs> little dessert product for, for the end of your day. There you go. <laughs> Verter, have anything left? One, one last one for Derek? I, you good? I, I
2: get the, the only other question I really had for you is just this year, you're surrounded by some pretty good weapons in Tennessee. You have mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, who's been there, of course, a few years, but now Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. What has it been like stepping onto the field with all those guys and looking around and going, all right, you know, look, we know we got the run game locked down. That's not a problem. Got mm-hmm. A.J. – Now we've got Julio. It's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer one day. What has that been like for you guys here as you're you're working towards getting everybody, you know, right and healthy here as you head toward the middle portion of the season?
3: No, just surrounded by some studs and uh, excited and, um, you know, excited for those guys' opportunity to go out there and um, make some big plays, uh, have some big games. And, you know, it's always cool to play around with some guys who are uh, superstars and have been uh, great in this league for a while.
1: Derek, appreciate getting a chance to catch up with you. Look forward to talking to you with you down the line. And uh, in- enjoy that uh, post-workout snack today right in <laughs> front of you. We appreciate it. All right. thank you. I'll
2: take care. Thanks a lot, Derek.
1: Let's get to our gambling segment from uh, BetSided, our, uh, the, one of the superstars in the betting world, manager at BetSided. And, uh, of course, go to WinBet for all your gambling needs. Ben Heisler, welcome in to Stacking the Box. There he is. Ben. Let's 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 make some money here. Bet-sided is uh, where you should go for all your gambling content. Win bet for all your gambling needs. We're actually doing some over-under action today instead of actual point spreads because uh, it's interesting where teams are coming in at for the rest of the season. And we are starting uh, with the team that many thought was going to go 17-0. That didn't happen. Now we're wondering if they're a playoff team. Of course, it's Kansas City. Three and four. The over under right now on the Chiefs for the season is nine and a half. Ben, do you believe in Kansas City? Where are we at here? Over under on nine and a half for the Chiefs.
0: I I believe in them to get above nine and a half. I I think that's still very much in play. I know that the sky is falling collectively across Kansas city where I'm currently residing. And there's still plenty of time to get a lot of this sorted around, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Because remember this defense was probably close to this bad the year that they went to the AFC championship game, ended up losing to the Patriots in overtime. So watching the offense be dynamic and the defense be pretty atrocious at the same time isn't new for anybody that's watched this Kansas City team under Patrick Mahomes but they've lost a couple home games this year to the Chargers that was a closer game uh ended up losing that game because of a fumble to Baltimore on the road and then of course you had that bad home loss against Buffalo but yeah, the competition coming into Kansas City um is some good teams in Green Bay and Dallas but you still give Kansas City an opportunity to win at home at Arrowhead. It wouldn't surprise anybody, I don't think, if they beat Green Bay and beat Dallas at home. They also have Pittsburgh coming in at home. Probably their, their toughest road game left is on the road against Cincinnati, and I don't think it would surprise anybody if they won that game as well. I, I think you close out the rest of the year uh, on a fairly strong level for Kansas City. They will make improvements, I think, at some point on the defensive side of the ball. The pass rush will eventually get going. And Mahomes is going to turn this around. Uh, sample size indicates that he's much better than what we've seen from him. And as wide receivers continue to drop passes, all these things are going to change. It's not going to make him a 13-win team like we might have expected at the beginning of the year, but they're going to get 10 wins.
2: So uh, maybe I'm just the emotional person in the room. I, I am to the point with them, I almost feel compelled to just go on there. I don't – they can't do anything. They turn the ball over. They make up for it by playing atrocious defense. They they can't seem to coach their way out of a paperback. Like, it is just – you got Frank Clark down 27-3, to 3 and he's yucking it up laughing on the sideline with a minute to go in the game. I mean, it's just – it's so bad. And I look at the schedule and go, all right, I think they will beat Denver twice. I just don't think Denver can can, can compete with them. Oh, they're I long. think they will beat the Giants. Um, I think they will beat Pittsburgh at home. That gets them to eight, and I do think they will beat the Raiders at home. That gets you to nine. Now, the question becomes, can they beat Dallas? Can they beat the Packers? Both are at home. They play the Raiders on a Sunday night and then they uh, on the road, and then they play Cincinnati. Here's the problem. They play the Giants this weekend. I think they win. They get the four and four. Then it's Green Bay at the Raiders, home to Dallas. They could be four and seven. Like They can't stop anyone. And I look at those three teams and think, literally, they might average giving up forty points a game. Like, I don't, I don't know they're going to get off the field, so I will go under. I think they're an eight or nine win team. I think they are going to struggle right to the end to make the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they turn around. I just, based off what I've seen, they've been off.
0: Well, the the other thing too, Verderham, is that they still have those division games, and if you're going to trust any coaching staff to turn it around against the division. It's Andy Reed. First the AFC West since 2015. He's 31 and 6. And they started the year 31 and 5 up until that loss against the Chargers. So if there is a saving grace for Kansas City, it's competition that Andy Reed knows that he's comfortable with It can turn it around against them. Right, let's
1: go to the let's go to the Colts team. Uh eight and a half for Indy, back to back wins. Haven't beaten anybody, but did it in impressive fashion. Uh, beating Houston at home in a blowout. And, yeah, it was raining on Sunday night, but they took care of San Francisco and Garoppolo had his uh, worst game of the year. It uh, does get a little tougher this week with Tennessee, but eight and a half for the 384 Colts.
0: Ben? I-, I like them to go over, too. I-, I really like the Colts at the beginning of the year and had a lot of egg on my face at the beginning of the season when they started off on a pretty atrocious level. But I, I think we can all agree that to a certain extent, to a certain extent, Carson Wentz has been fixed by Frank Reich, and and that was the goal coming into this season, was can you get Carson Wentz back into being an upper-tier quarterback in the league? He's not the top tier, but he is leading the NFL in in completed yards above 20. Uh, He is leading the NFL in touchdown-to-interception ratio. That was a key issue for him his last several years for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, So they now have a quarterback who is finally also starting to get healthy. And they're also incorporating Jonathan Taylor into being uh, what I consider to be a a top three rusher in the NFL. And and remarkably, too, they're doing this without really a whole lot of playmakers for Carson Wentz to throw to. It's Michael Pittman Jr., and that's pretty much it. Mo Alley Cox is a nice athlete in the middle of the field, but he's not a go-to target for them. So they've lost Paris Campbell, again, likely for the season due to injury. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has played, I think, one game this year. The Colts are going to start to get more and more healthy. The offensive line, when they're healthy, is amongst the best in the league. If we're talking about this game against Tennessee, I know everybody's very much on the Tennessee bandwagon, but how come they're only one-point favorites on the road against Indianapolis this week after what we saw the Titans do to Buffalo and then to Kansas City? I think the odds makers are telling us something, that the Colts are actually a team that is still very much in contention. And for that reason, I'd like them to get over that eight-and-a-half number.
2: I think they get over it as well. Look, they barely lost to the Rams. They barely lost to Baltimore. They should have won the Baltimore game. They blew that game. So they need six wins to get over this number. They've got Jacksonville twice, okay, including week 18, when I, I, Jacksonville could not lay down any more in that game. I, I mean, my God. You've got the – so after the Titans – they play the Jets and the Jags back-to-back like that at home. Those are two wins. Then they get Bills and Bucks. Those are probably two losses. The Texans, then a week 14 bye, which is something. Uh, then a home to the Pats at the Cardinals, home to the Raiders at Jacksonville. I think there's six wins in there. I think you beat Jack- Jacksonville twice. You beat Houston. I think they beat the Pats off a of bye at home. Uh, the Jets, and then either the Raiders or the Titans, I think they're going to win. I don't think they go way over, but I think they get to nine wins. A lot of
1: indie love on the show here, and I appreciate it because uh, I, I think the Colts are going over as well. Green Bay is six and one. Uh, they might as well just give them the North title right now because uh, we all knew that that was going to happen. The number for the Packers is a big one 12 and a half. They got the Cardinals this week with all COVID. and You got the Chiefs coming up. Uh, only get to play the Bears one more time. The Browns are on that schedule. Ben, are you willing to say it's a 13 win Green Bay team?
0: No, because the Packers, for the fact that they still have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and and a pretty solid pass rush, they're still a very flawed team. Uh, And they go into Arizona now likely without Devontae Adams. You've seen the line at WinBet move up from Packers plus three to plus six just because of the mystery of whether or not Adams is going to play. That's a remarkable line shift, guys. A three-point line move because their best wide receiver may not play. Um, but I also think it's indicative of the public being all over Arizona and trying to find one reason or another just to to fade Green Bay this week. I do have some concerns about their their offense on third down, their their red zone efficiency has not been particularly good this year. It's not to say that it can't turn around and anytime you have the Packers on the schedule, you assume that they can go in and win. But it is a difficult schedule. At Arizona, at Kansas City, despite what you think of the Chiefs, that's still a tough game. Um you know they have Seattle at home. We'll see whether or not Russell Wilson will be back. I don't think he will be, so that should be a win. Uh, but then you got the Rams, you got the Browns, the Ravens, and you're expecting Green Bay to basically have to go 13 and four. Um, and remember, they've already had a bad loss this year and a couple of lucky wins. I, I just don't think it stays that hot. Uh, they're a team that looks like a 12 and five team that easily wins the division. I think they're perfectly content with that. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna go under and listen, I I know uh, my good buddy Joey Mione is a Packers fan, probably listening to this. So Joey, I think they're I think they're a Super Bowl contender for sure. But uh look, I go under because here are the teams they beat this year. Detroit, San Francisco need a last second field goal. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati needed Cincinnati missed two field goals at the end of the game. Chicago, Washington. Finally, the good team there. There isn't one. Um Now, that doesn't mean I don't think the Packers are good. But now, as you point out, Ben, the schedule going forward at Arizona, at Kansas City, and, yes, I agree with you, Kansas City is frustrating as all hell, but, like, could the Chiefs win the game? Yeah. They might be favored in it. I don't know what's going to happen there. The Seattle game, it depends, like you said, with Wilson. At Minnesota, then the Rams, a bye week, you get the Bears out of it, okay, fine. Then you're at Baltimore, which is a tough game. The Browns come in. They might be desperate. That's on Christmas. It's a tough slate, man. The rest of the way, that's hard. Even if the Packers are great, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I think they win eleven to twelve games, and it, and they're going to be able to throttle down to it because that division is awful. So I, I don't think they're too worried about that.
1: Dallas does not have a tough slate. The Cowboys are at 11 and a half and By nice. the way, the 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 Packers. By the way, uh, you know just. Seventh in total defense Green Bay just just to throw that out there as well with everything that's going on with the green and gold and wondering if they could actually become a Super Bowl champion in the last dance Aaron Rodgers year, which would be I would actually enjoy it even from a bear's seat. But okay, Dallas, 11 and a half Ben, you're riding the Cowboys to 12 wins.
0: I, I hate to do this because I still think there's a lot of issues with the Cowboys team, but it is such a favorable schedule. Yep. They've made so many plays in the secondary. Uh, and Trayvon Diggs is, is looking like he's the defensive player of the year in the NFL with his ability to take the football away now I know regression is coming but I don't know where the regression is going to come on the offensive side of the ball Dak Prescott's been incredibly efficient they have two outstanding runners both with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard you have a multitude of weapons in the passing game with Mari Cooper CeeDee Lamb they're going to get Michael Gallup back Dalton Schultz uh, since he started has become a top five tight end in the league like there's just not a lot of bad pieces on the Cowboys, and they're doing this all with a dunce of the head coach and Mike McCarthy. So I, I think with a favorable schedule, with a lot of weapons on both sides of the ball, yeah, I, I think they can go over that number fairly easily. I mean, the, the tough games, yes, they have the Kansas City game. Uh, New Orleans on the road, that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, in a, I think it's either a Sunday night or a Monday night game. Um, and then after that, maybe Arizona, and that's about it. The, the Cowboys should cruise absolutely cruise that's only going to help increase the MVP odds as well of Dak Prescott, who at one point was at plus 1600 at win bet. He's now all the way to plus 450. So if you were interested in getting on the Dak Prescott, either comeback player of the year train or the MVP train, that has long left the station at this point.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not even going to go into detail, really, over easily. They are already, what are they, 5-1, and one, and they have Washington, the Giants, and Washington at one point, weeks 14 through 16. So that'll be a nice three wins. They play the Eagles in the year. The Cardinals, they play, but they're at home in the game. So that it's a winnable game. There's not one game on the schedule you'll look and go, yeah, they're probably going to lose. I mean, maybe at Arrowhead, maybe that's just one of those games where the Chiefs just win 38-35 or something, but, I mean, you know, look at the rest of the schedule. Look at the Raiders on Thanksgiving at home. I I, I think Dallas wins that game. Um, Dallas might win fourteen games. It's like real, I mean, their schedule is such a joke. I mean, even you know Minnesota is kind of a pivot point to Sunday night. They're in Minnesota. They win that game. Their next two games are the Broncos and the Falcons at home. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you're just looking at a. At, at, and by the way, another team. They beat the Chargers in a weird game week, too. Other than that, the Eagles at home, the Panthers at home, the Giants at home, the Pats on a weird game in the road. I agree with Ben. Like, I don't look at them and think they're a great team. I think they're good, but, like, not, not a team that you normally pick to win 13 or 14 games. But
0: the schedule and some luck has really worked out for them. Really quickly, too, the Cowboys are the only team left in the NFL that is undefeated against the spread. So you have teams like the Cowboys and the Cardinals that are already being super just supremely well against the spread for betters this year, Uh, that luck is going to change. Dallas and and both uh, them and Arizona are going to have very inflated lines probably in the second half. So even though they might win 13, 14 games, you're probably going to want to be on the other side of a lot of these over-unders, a lot lot of the sides of the spreads, just because these things tend to even themselves out over time.
1: All right, let's go to Buffalo, who are in the middle of their bye week coming off this Sunday with Miami. And the Bills with four wins, but maybe the easiest schedule in football. They, they have one game that stands out that's at Tampa. That comes up in December. But Miami and Jacksonville and New York, the Colts could be a tough game. But the Saints, New England twice. You get the Jets again to wrap it up. So that number is going to be big, and it is. It's 12 and a half. Uh, who's got Buffalo basically running the table here? Ben?
0: I don't. I, I still think Buffalo is an extraordinarily talented team, but – I mean, they've had two games already where they've kind of just taken their foot off the off the pedal, and they find themselves with losses. That game against Pittsburgh at home, the loss against Tennessee from a couple weeks back. Yeah, I, I looked at Buffalo at the beginning of the year, and this was one of the ones that I, I clearly had wrong. Guys, I, I thought that uh, between Buffalo and New England and Miami that you'd have three teams competing for playoff spots in the AFC East. Clearly, that's not going to be the case this year. It's one I absolutely got wrong, but um i I just don't see buffalo having that killer instinct this year they're really good and they'll beat the hell out of plenty of teams on that schedule but i don't think they're going to go undefeated in the division i I think there's one weird loss that might happen along the way um you know the game against new orleans that's not going to be an easy game on thanksgiving um you know the, the rest of the schedule atlanta and the jets to close things out that's ideal but by that point, they'll already have wrapped up a playoff spot and they can probably rest their guys. So so maybe Atlanta or the Jets are able to play their starters and get a win in those final couple games. I just think because Buffalo basically has this division wrapped and because they just don't have that killer instinct, they're going to get that extra loss and it's going to come back and, and bite betters in the ass.
1: Hey, Verderham, did you hear that stack in the box integrity by Heisler there calling out his pick? Nobody will remember that that Heisler was, was uh, thinking that the AFCs was going to bang on each other and that. And and, and, well done. and but but Heisler called himself out. That that's that's why you come to stack in the box. That's we right that's on this right. guy, right there. That's right.
2: Uh, well, hey, w- in, in in that spirit, I picked the Chiefs to go fifteen and two this year. So things are going well. <laughs> um. Oh my God, they might lose two games and one at the rate they're going. Um. No, look, I'm under two. I I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. But I think they're losing to Tampa. I think, you know, New England twice. Look, Belichick's a pain in the ass, man. They're gonna one of those games is gonna come right down to it. It just is. And New England might be fighting for a playoff spot. I'll give you another game. You mentioned India. I think that's a good call. That game against Atlanta, like Atlanta somehow is three and three and like kind of in the mix. Like Atlanta's not good, but they're also in every game they play. Like they're just always somehow involved. Um but I I look I think they'll lose to Tampa. Between Indy, New Orleans, you know, New England on the road, yeah, I think it's a 12-5 and five season. I think that's where they finish. Um, the AFC is bizarre, man. Like, that is the one thing right now, if you look at the AFC. I feel like the NFC, you know it's Tampa. It's 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 Dallas. It's Green Bay. It's the Rams. It's the Cardinals. The AFC, that's one thing. Like, if you're a Chiefs fan listening to this and you want to make a good point, like, I wouldn't sit here and pick them to make the playoffs right now. I also would not sit here and say they couldn't go to the Super Bowl. I don't know. There's nobody in that conference where you're like, oh, my God, that team is just a juggernaut. So I'll go under on the Bills. I think they win 12. All
1: right, we're wrapping up with the Dan Campbell emotional, which I love, wear your heart in your sleeve in life. It's a good way to go. The Lions. The number's two and a half. They got a shot this week with the Eagles at home. Then they get their bye week, and then I'm just going to give the schedule out to you. At Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, lost-loss. Loss. Bears on Thanksgiving, could be a win there. Minnesota at home, at Denver, another shot at it. Home with Arizona, at Atlanta, at Seattle, Green Bay.
0: I don't know how you get to three. I, I don't see it, but Ben? I don't think you get to three either. I, I think it's more than – I I think it's two, Somehow along the schedule, they'll get two wins. Remember, the Lions were projected to win six games this year at wins. So the, the odds makers got that one wrong, just like all of us have gotten some stuff wrong along the way. Um, and, and they've had a lot of close games this year. They've actually been, you know, fairly decent against the spread over the course of the season. I think they're, they're four and three. Uh, over the course of the seven weeks of the season. But, I mean, that, I, I look at that game against Chicago where the Bears just remain an absolute mess and I, I see no faith in Matt Nagy. Uh, the offense continues to just not move along. And I know that they beat him 24-14 back in week four, but that was yes. at Soldier Field when the Bears still thought that they had a chance. I don't even think Chicago was giving themselves a chance anymore. So I, I think that game against Thanksgiving, uh, or on Thanksgiving against Chicago, will be the victory – that the Lions need to get off the schneid, and after that, there, there's going to be one team that that slips up along the way. Maybe it's even Green Bay in Week 18 when they already have the division wrapped up, and the Lions can go ahead and get their second win. But it, it just is not going to get to three. Two and a half still feels a little bit too much. Uh, but they're not going to go 0 17 either.
2: I'm fading both you people over three, and here's why: I think they're going to. I think they win one game they shouldn't. I think they're going to beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. I really do. The Bears are hideous. And I think they will win Week 18 because I don't think the Packers are going to play anybody. So that I, I, will, I will go with three. In my heart, I'll give like you said I had to bet my mortgage, I would take the under here. But because I like Dan Campbell and they're playing hard, I'm taking the over. I thought they actually played pretty well against the Rams. They hung in the game. They, did. You know, they, they were is. there. You know what? But I will take this opportunity to say this. For the love of God, get that team and that franchise off Thanksgiving. And I'm a traditionalist. It's enough. Oh, my God get them off Thanksgiving. Can you,
0: can I, you imagine too, like, when, when CBS and, and Fox, you know, decides to rochambeau for who gets the Cowboys and who has to end up with the Lions? Oh, my just God. Those, those poor broadcasters are oh, I'm going to spend my Thanksgiving watching the Bears and the Lions this year. You know, the, other, the other guys get to at least get yeah the, the Raiders. It's a fun offense and the Cowboys, one of the best teams in the league. Yep. Well, if You have to start your day with the Lions and the I Bears. Mean, I ugh. think
2: it's Fox that draws that game this week. Cause I think, yeah, it is Fox. Fox is taking. So Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who already do Thursday night football and Sunday and have no time with their family, have to go watch that garbage. I mean, son of a bitch. Yank them off of, of Thanksgiving. Every year we have to watch this dreck. I can't remember the last time the Lions have played on Thanksgiving and I've been like, man, awesome. Honest to God, probably not since Barry Sanders retired world small. Have no there's no juice in that stadium at all it's like playing in a morgue it's dark it's quiet all those fans are self-loathing like at least the silver dome which was a hole in the middle of nowhere at least the silver dome it was loud like this
0: is just there is nothing it's like oh god the lions are playing again Don't, they'll be loud when they get that first win of the season against the bears we'll we'll, we'll see some life just a little, a little bit of 38
2: life. of those fans of that game that aren't inebriated beyond words will be cheering.
1: I, I for one, am offended that you, Matt Verderam, an help. NFL traditionalist who's sitting here watching on YouTube some game from 1974, probably later yes. today. Yes. Uh, y- yes, I know the answer is yes, that you would want to take Detroit off of Thanksgiving. Uh, and you know, I hope they're winless going into that game because that would be some good drama. And, and, and don't feel bad for Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck. They're, they, they've got great gigs, and they're happy to do it. They don't need any sympathy from you two hardworking media folks here on Stack in the Box, just for the record. Hey, Ben, great job, brother. Managing editor, BetSided. Go to WinBet for all your betting needs, winbet.com. We did it a little bit different this week, went with the overrunners. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ben, we'll see you next week, brother.
0: You got
1: it, guys. All right, Verdam, say goodbye to Ben. And now we get to say goodbye to you. Uh, Good. I, I, I have bad, bad news for you, Bud. That I that I haven't told you until this moment. But um, we were planning on going to Bulls Knicks at the United Center Thursday night. Yep. And I've got I've got some family stuff coming in. And, and and I I don't think I'm going to be able to make it at this very moment unless something changes. So I I, I apologize greatly. I was looking forward to it. It's Joe Keem Noah night. Uh, I mean sucks. Derek Ro- Derek easy easy. That's my guy. And yep. Derek Rose is going to be in town. I, I feel I, I I feel sick and and defeated that I can't join you on Thursday night. But I think you should still go.
2: Well, I'm not rolling down there by myself. That's a waste of time. Um, also, I told you I was willing to spend $100 a ticket, and you waited forever, and now it's over $100 a ticket for any building. Any no, ticket.
1: it's not. No, it's not.
2: It is on secondhand stuff. I don't know. I, yeah. You know, I we don't have time for you to tell the story about how you got arrested once outside of an NBA Finals game. But, um, you know, I'm not looking to go that route. Um, <laughs> no, listen, so let's get right down to it. I'm not too heartbroken about it. Listen, I'm gonna come into Chicago for a few hours, have a few drinks, hang out, and then uh, you know, and then I don't know, at some point get get back to the old the old place and watch Packers cards. Um So the Knicks start out with what was a rollicking double overtime win over the Celtics. I don't know if you happen to see that game, their season opener. That game was insane. That was one of the great season opens, and then they kill the Magic by like thirty points. I'm like, great, coming in on Sunday, back to back with the Magic, awful team. That team's like if it wins twenty games, and the Knicks lose at home, home, which was really just the, the cherry on top of crap Sunday after watching the Chiefs, and so they lost. I am still pissed about that game. Now they host the Sixers tonight, Tuesday night. And then the Bulls. I got listen. I, I'm not like, the Knicks. The Knicks are a good team. I got to say. Like the Knicks, I, any any fear I had about them being a one year wonder, I don't have anymore. Even even with the loss to Orlando, the Knicks, the Knicks just played horribly in the fourth quarter and lost the game. But I am I am very optimistic with this team. I don't know if they beat the Sixers. They haven't beaten the Sixers in like three years. Okay, so I don't know if they're going to beat them tonight. But the I, the Fournier signing looks pretty good. Kemba's been a waste of time, although he can't shoot a three. But Rose has been Derrick Rose. Barrett looks like he's about to be an All-NBA defender, which is good because he hasn't scored a point through three games. But I uh, love it. Julius Randle looks like Julius Randle. No drop-off there. Obi Toppin, not bad. Mitchell Robinson's looking for about 15 rebounds a game. So things are, despite the loss to the Magic, two and one, and the Garden's going to be rocking tonight going to that game against the Sixers. They're going to want blood. And I wish Ben Simmons was playing in this game because I'll tell you, that crowd would be letting him have it the entire game. We're going to get robbed of that.
1: I got to tell you, as you're talking, I'm doing the stub-up check, and you are right that uh, ticket prices are on the rise. On the rise for the – you know why? And I should have known that this was going to happen because they're just they're just that good, I suppose. But the only undefeated team in the Eastern Conference, 4-0. You're Chicago Bulls, baby. So yeah. I guess I guess the Bulls are back. The other undefeateds in the league are the 3-0 Warriors and the 2-0 Jazz. So you can actually say best record in basketball, Chicago. Plus, you know, they're they're winning by uh, they're they're cracking teams and they're going into Toronto and and DeMar DeRozan's going up, up against his former team and getting W's. But um yeah, so that's uh that, that's a nice development. But let me just say this as we wrap up here, because I think what I learned from stacking the box today, there the for Bears fans who do want change, that Lions game, I haven't been thinking about it until now, but if you I lose, it. if you lose to the Lions on Thanksgiving, that that I've been sleeping on this as a as a game changer. That officially is the biggest game left on the, on the bears schedule. I really think it is. You you yeah. lose to Detroit. There's no way around it for George McCaskey and company. So that, that to me is interesting. All right. Hey, thank you so much for watching stag in the box today, especially those who uh, checked it out live on YouTube, as we were doing it, you listening right now uh, in the podcast world, we love you the same ratings are phenomenal. And uh, yes, uh, watching is good too as we're trying to keep our jobs here. So no pressure, but if you watch, we get we get to eat. if you don't, we're in trouble.
2: Look at me, I need to eat.